will not reach a point of perfection. You will not reach a point of purity. You will not reach a point where this feels good. And I think that the alternative to that for a lot of people is just shutting down and just not engaging. Because if this is going to make me feel like shit, I'm not going to engage or do anything at all. It's about being accepting, accepting of discomfort, accepting of ugliness. You are listening to Made of Human, also known as the Mopad, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian. Mopad. Trying to find out how to do life. But it turns out It's been, um, well, if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, it has been a week since the last episode came out. And if you're somehow listening to this before you're listening to the first part of this conversation, I not, I not only recommend, I demand that you go back and you listen to the first part of this from last week. It is crucial, crucial that you listen to this uh, in its entirety, starting at the right point so if you've not listened to part one stop right now and go back and listen to it good i'm assuming that the people who are left are the people who've already listened to part one so you basically know everything you need to know about this conversation i'm not going to say much more uh because you've heard me ramble enough and i very much value you coming back um fyi this intro to this episode is being recorded on the same day as uh, the actual episode was recorded. So if something has happened since last Wednesday when this came out, uh, I do not, at the present time of me recording this, I do not know. So we may have already been called out on some things. Uh, we may already have uh, corrections and stuff. I'll make sure in the next episode, if I need to correct anything, I'll do it in the, in the next episode. Um I'll correct everything that I've been informed of till then. Um, but as of now, I have not heard any feedback yet, so I don't know how it's been going, basically, which is very scary. So I'm just going to let you get into it. Uh, yeah, deep breaths, embrace the uncomfortableness, embrace the ugly, and uh, enjoy. Yeah, this was like a long conversation that I had with a friend earlier this week, who is also a white person who was like, I just posted on Facebook that I feel really churned up about this and that it's really traumatic to watch this all happening. And I was like, oh, uh oh, buddy. <laughs> like, I don't know where I'm going to start with this, but like, yikes. And the conversation that I had with her, like, sort of over and over and over again was, those are the right feelings to be having actually, yeah, you should feel angry and you should feel mournful and you should feel mad as hell and you should want to punch somebody and you shouldn't, you know what I mean? Like all of those feelings are valid and legit. And also when you take the action of posting that online or saying that out loud, it becomes a social choice, right? You can feel your feelings without thrusting them into the center of public dialogue mm -hmm. and you can feel your feelings again as you're saying like you can walk it back and be like okay if I'm a black person and I know that leaving my house can result in this level of violence how would I feel 
if I heard a white person going, but guys, it's really hard for me to see and hear, mm. right? Like that's like so deeply not the point. And it is a step that again, like our whiteness teaches us not to take mm-hmm. because our feelings are always valid. Our feelings and thoughts are always interesting, right? Like that's what whiteness teaches us. Everything you've got is should be said and is worth hearing right? Whether or not that's affirmation that we've gotten from individual people in our lives, that's affirmation that we get from like the structure of the media and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I have, the other, I, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, I was going to say the other thing that I've been thinking about in terms of like shit we got to get better at and frankly shit I've got to get better at. I was thinking about this and I was like, I think there have been two times in my life, I'm 36 years old. I think there have been two times in my life where I have at work reported to a person of color that that my boss, oh, sorry, that my boss has been a person of color, has not been white. Two times. Two two jobs that I've had in my whole life of jobs. Oh, okay. So are you saying it's not enough or that, I don't know how many jobs you've had. Oh, yeah, yeah. Three jobs. Touche, touche, (laughs) touche. So out of the, let's say, ballpark 12 bosses that I've had, (laughs) two of them have been people of color. And that means for me that I actually have a super underdeveloped skill set when it comes to taking leadership from black and brown people, which is kind of the only thing that I need to be doing right now, particularly black folks, right? And it's something that I don't have a lot of practice at doing well. And if I listen to, again, like if I listen to the voice of my whiteness, like that shouldn't matter you're a good person. You can figure it out. Right. And if I listen to black folks and indigenous people and people of color, uh, they will tell me a very different thing, which is like, actually it really shows up that you don't know how to do this. Actually you're kind of messing stuff up because you can't admit that you don't know how to do this. So like there is sort of this, um, like we don't, I don't hear other white people, even myself until today, frankly, talk about this as a skill set. But like, it feels like a skill set that we need to improve immediately, because unless and until we can hand over our power, not only hand over our power, but respect the inherent power in communities of color, and black communities in particular, um, we, this is always going to be incomplete right? We're always going to be complicit unless and until we can conceive of a world in which we have less power than a person of color or even the same amount as a person of color. And that feels really, again, like really, Mm -hmm. like so many things we've said, really gross to say out loud. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And also is like viscerally uncomfortable to a lot of white people to be like, right? Like part of what makes the conversation about defunding the police so scary is that we would have to build something in its place and that white folks know deep down on some level that we're like pretty okay with cops, mm. right? <laughs> that like in the US, right? Like part of what makes me uncomfortable confronting police or thinking about defunding them um, is that I haven't had bad experiences with cops. I just mm. haven't, right? So the idea of defunding police and then building something together that might not explicitly privilege me makes mm. me uncomfortable. That doesn't mean it's the wrong thing to do, mm. <laughs> right? Like, ugh. 
anyway, clearly with so many thoughts and feelings. <laughs> and I, and I, and I hate to, to, I hate having to start to wrap up, but I have sure. two yes. things, two Tell things. Me. Um, which, oh, we start with this one. This is a feeling I have that, and a thought that I have that I both feel on some level is probably really problematic to think. And I know there, there must be an answer to it, but at the same time, I can't, I can't figure out what it is. So I was wondering if you knew mm. this protests in most big cities in the, in the U S the UK, I haven't seen them if other places, but yeah, definitely. Mm. And there's a pandemic and people are standing close to each other. Mm. It's, do you know what I mean? I'm <laughs> <laughs> just like, <laughs> I just, I, I see, and I just think, Oh, the, what if people get sick? They will. Yeah. They will. I think what that says to me, here's how I have chosen to interpret that. Yeah. Um, is that this matters to the people who are there. This matters more to them than getting sick. Yeah. You know, and that I will say part of the reason that I have been going to th- things like this and mm-hmm. absolutely nothing else just to be clear mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is um, because I know that I can quarantine myself. Mm-hmm. I know that even though I pay for my own health insurance and it's expensive as all get out that when I get into the doctor, that doctor will believe that I am in pain, which they will not with black folks, right? There's like a bunch of data about mm-hmm. white doctors in the U S like, not believing that black people experience pain in the same way and to the same level as white folks. It's wild. Um, And that I can't fundamentally control Mm COVID-19. I can't control coronavirus. I can limit its spread. Um, But I can uh, take a stand against this, right? Mm -hmm. There is like a thing that I can show up and do in this moment. Um, And this is like very literally like putting your body and putting your health on the line, right? It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel safe. It shouldn't feel safe ever, right? Like it's not gonna, if you're challenging power structures, like it's just not gonna. Um, But like for the most part, people are wearing... PPE (laughs) for the most part, people are like bringing hand sanitizer for the most part, folks are standing a little bit apart from one another. Um, And, you know, coronavirus is a super scary thing. And I, this is a thing that I can like have an impact on. I can't necessarily have an impact on coronavirus right now. Uh, aside from like taking all of the precautions, but I can't have an impact on this. So that, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's the best I got, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect imperfection. Sure. Uh, Sure. But that leads me to one of the last things I want to ask you, which is this thing about putting your body in between Mm. um, 
black protesters and the cops. Mm. You said at some point in the beginning that you'd figured out what you hadn't done, like what you needed to do. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk more on that? Oh my God. Sure. I have like seven million questions swirling around in my head. The okay. number one thing that I feel like I uh, have not done, and this was um, thanks to a very direct, very clear video from Sonia Renee Taylor, who is mm-hmm. like a brilliant uh, sort of thinker and educator and mm-hmm. um, in sort of body justice work broadly. Right. Um <sighs> And she was essentially like, hey, the one thing that changes this is if black people get, is is if white people get in between black people and police. Physically at this point, that's the way that we have to save black lives is to confront cops and to physically separate them from the folks they are most likely to kill with the people that they are least likely to kill. And I was like, well, shit. I've been showing up at stuff. I've been organizing. I've been, you know what I mean? Like Mm. I've been trying to do the right thing. And that's exactly, like, she's exactly right. It doesn't feel good to hear that, Mm -hmm. but she's exactly 100% right. That like, that is the one thing. And I have not been doing the one thing that like makes the biggest difference. Right. Um, I've also just been thinking about like, there's been a lot of conversation. I'm curious about if this has come up for you in your work in any way, but I've been sort of reflecting on this conversation about, um, how do we get the news out about what's happening at these protests without re-traumatizing black folks, right? How do we get the word out about these murders have happened? How do we get the word out, right? Like, how do we do all of this and acknowledge what's happening? Yeah. And, white folks with it without also re-traumatizing black folks by making them continually watch someone who looks like them get murdered yes well i was going to ask you about the video because i know that it see i was just gonna do a little meta thing of i was about to re i was about to frame this in a way that made me look better than i am so i'm just, just <laughs> not gonna do that good yeah i, I accidentally started watching the video because it was posted somewhere i didn't know what i was watching but then i consciously continued to watch it um mm. the, the video of um uh, of george floyd um mm. being killed by the cop and i you know i made a decision to keep watching it and it was it doesn't matter how i felt but it was horrible yeah. and it it did change the feeling of it probably changed the feeling of urgency, which is definitely without a doubt gross. Yeah. Uh, definitely gross. Definitely, definitely. Like unbelievably disgusting that it took me watching a black man being killed for me to feel like it was urgent. That is like really grim to even admit and which is why my instinct was to pretend that it hadn't happened to me yeah totally. it was just an accident right yeah yes. I, well or even that i was about to say i've heard from some people that when they saw it they <laughs> felt yeah, uncomfortable yeah. like shut up um yeah. but it made me think you, you know i've pretend to be this right on person that wants to do the right things and you know i i do know that it, compared to the you know the average 
regular, you know, white person somewhere. I probably know more because uh, I've done a lot of education, self-education and stuff. But I do know for a lot of these people, a lot of these white people, seeing the video would probably make them feel the same way as I felt. Yeah. But obviously I'm not going to share it and I would feel disgusting telling people to watch it. And I've been sort of stuck in this, what's the right thing to do with this? Because it it's such a, like I feel physically sick even thinking about the fact that this is a conundrum. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like that. Oof. I love that you're like, we got to wrap up. And then you hit on this thing where I'm like, oh my God, I have so many feelings about oh, no. this thing. Don't worry. I said we were beginning to wrap up. Okay, good. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Cool. Um, but like, it is such a push me, pull you, right? Mm. That like, particularly as like a white person who tries to think about race um, and tries to engage actively um all i want to do is like shove the most horrible parts of this Mm. in the faces of my most recalcitrant family members and people that i you know what i mean like of all the people who are like it's not that big a deal i want to be like oh cool this isn't that big a deal video right like and also um doing that is once again centering whiteness Mm. Because doing that without regard to the impact that it has on black folks who can't actually go anywhere right now in the U S without seeing footage of like murders and beatings of people who look like them uh, is like understandable. It's understandable to want to, but to me for myself, it currently feels inexcusable to do that. Right. Yeah. So the thing that I've been doing is like just on my like personal social media channels, when I share stuff like that, like on Instagram or whatever, like put a slide first that just says heads up. Yeah. There's like anti-black violence on this. You could even say this is required viewing for white people <laughs> and yeah. everybody else feel free to nope out of it. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Like finding ways to, you know, continue to push this for white folks. Yeah. Um, while also acknowledging and being really clear with ourselves that getting white folks to acknowledge this isn't the end point, right? Yeah. Stopping violence like this is the end point. Ending yeah. racism is the end point. It's not when we feel like our dad finally got it. <laughs> it's not when we feel satisfied and no longer uncomfortable. Mm. It's not when it stops showing up in our social media feed, right? Like it's not any of the things that will lull us back into a sense of sort of like security with our whiteness. It's like when black indigenous and people of color tell us we're good, then we're good. And until then we are not good. Yeah. Um, In the same way that I wouldn't want, again, like imperfect parallels, right? I would absolutely not wanting a, want a straight person to do what so many straight people have done before, which is be like, homophobia isn't really a problem, mm, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I also want a man to tell me that misogyny isn't really a problem because those are people who don't actually get to decide. And in this case, yeah. I, the white person, don't actually get to decide. Like, I yeah. don't actually decide when it's done and when I get to disengage. And same with people saying, 
um, I've heard a lot and I, I've probably said it as well, this feeling of, oh, it's getting worse or finally someone's talking about it or uh-huh. this idea that it's a new thing, uh-huh. you know, racism has come back. I totally get the, <laughs> that you, that it look it feels like that as a white person, because we've just not, yeah. you know, we just don't hear about it. We don't talk about it. We don't, Yeah, but it's, just because it's blat- more blatant right now. Yeah. I don't know blatant is the right word. The second yeah, no, that's heard. right. It does mean that it hasn't always been there. I think maybe social media has probably meant that we see more of this than we... Like, imagine if we didn't have social media. We only saw the news, f- which is up until recently how it worked, right? Of course, they're not yeah. going to show those things. Totally. Well, and also, like, they're not going to show those things we got to figure out how to confront folks with it. And we also have to start by confronting ourselves Mm. with it. Right. So like what you're talking about is like watching this video felt like garbage, but also it sure as shit lit a fire under me. And also that's a video or an experience that as a white person, I'm structurally shielded from. Mm. Right. So like the other, the other sort of part of this, the sort of thread of this that feels like a little bit of an undercurrent for our whole conversation that has been on my mind in a major way and is where I get like actually angry, (laughs) like very, like have a hard time keeping it on lock angry is um, hearing where um, white folks will respond to moments like this with I'm listening and learning Mm -hmm. um, out of the expectation that we will there again, like there will be a point at which we are like completely comfortable and then we can start taking action and that everyone else should wait until we feel totally comfortable, completely on board. We know all the ins and outs. It's like, you're not starting a job. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to get like orientation. There aren't like bathrooms to find. Like you got to just jump in and start doing it. Right. So like, we also have to sort of, and like, this is a thing that I am struggling with in my own brain at all times is like, uh, how much there like acknowledging that there's no amount of education that will make me feel ready. Yeah. And there's, no, and, yeah. and there's no amount of in what's it called self. There's nothing that can make you feel comfortable about this. You're never, you're not yeah. going to reach a point where you feel super comfortable and that's fine. You're not meant to feel totally. comfortable. It, it, yeah. you're not meant to look good you this is it's gonna look and feel ugly yeah and that's just that's <laughs> the, the t- teeniest tiniest cross that we have to bear with our little fingers right like it's not it's yeah. not the worst thing in the world yeah no. I mean like one of the things that I've been thinking in the continuing vein of like I feel like my brain is exploding <laughs> right over the last week or so in particular I'm also, I will say, I'm doing a lot of laughing on this podcast, and that is because that is a uh, discomfort discharge sort of reaction yeah. for myself. Like, eh, but also, can yeah. I just say about that, just quickly, just yes, tell me. Um, uh, how do I? What, what do I want to say? I want to say that it's this sort of a a mix between wanting for me, like mm. I want to feel. It's in my head constantly how I don't want to sound self-righteous, but I mm. also don't want to sound super racist. And 
I keep thinking like, oh, I'm going to sound like one of them. At any point, someone's going to think, all right, okay, who are you? Are you, are you Jesus? Go fuck yourself. Or people are going <laughs> to think, oh my God, you think that? You are disgusting. And I have to mm. sort of, so would you, when you said the thing about laughing, I was like, yeah, that's one of the points where people are going to be like, how dare you? That's yeah. also fine. Because you could argue, you could both argue that it's a human reaction and it's psychologically uh, easy to explain and it's understandable and that this is how people react and da, 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 da. Yeah. You could say the same thing about not laughing and taking yourself so seriously that because you want to seem like, do you know what I mean? There's so many, yeah. that because there is no way that we can sit in the midst of all these protests as two white people and have this conversation without it being disgusting in some way. Yeah, that's right. And that what we're sort of mucking around in when we're having these conversations as white folks, it is sort of intellectual for us. And it's like mm. a little bit theoretical mm. um, in some ways, because it just isn't visited upon our lives in the same way. Mm. Um, and uh, it is not that mm. uh, for like anybody else, right? Like it's, it's not theoretical for anybody else. We are sort of tromping around in folks like ongoing trauma. Yeah. Um, so if you think about instead of being like, we're having a political debate, which I feel like is the brain that a lot of white folks bring into conversations about race, mm. bringing in the mindset of like, I'm at a funeral. Mm. Someone else here has lost a family member and I am at a funeral. What do you do at a funeral? <laughs> how do you help? Right? Like you figure out how to like cook food and bring it to the family so that they don't have to deal with that while they're grieving you maybe give to a memorial fund, right? Like, like thinking about it in terms of like, this is a deeply emotional and very real grieving process that is happening all around you will also, I will say that's a reframe that's helpful to me. Mm -hmm. um, it's it, again, imperfect in a lot of ways, but just being like, this actually isn't, like my job here is to show up and do whatever the people who are grieving the most need me to do. Uh, and that feels like a real, that feels like a real shift in yeah. sort of thinking about it. Right. Less yeah. about sort of like, let's debate and more about like, this is super duper real in a way that let's debate quote unquote, doesn't make room for. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there's been a lot about feelings actions. yes actions so let's talk about actions yeah um <laughs> i'm waiting for you to tell me what to do <laughs> i for a second i actually like thought you had frozen and i was like what maybe we're having an internet problem no it was no, just, just me and, you and i tell me what two to do. <laughs> awkward white people facing off about who's gonna tell other white people what to do <laughs> yep so I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to tell us. So, okay. Well, money, so, money, is, money is important, right? Yeah. I mean, listen, one of the things that I've been thinking about today is I almost always have a little, at least a little bit left over after I pay my bills and buy my groceries. I don't need that for anything as much as other people like, and particularly black folks need to stay alive. Mm. So Anytime I'm like, ooh, maybe I'll get something from Sephora. I'm like, no, that $40 is instead going to this bail fund. Maybe I need a cup of coffee. No, that's going to this mutual aid fund, right? Like that just like everything is going somewhere. Um, and 
that in this moment, I feel incredibly called to pass along like anything that I don't currently need um, to folks who need it more than me. You don't have to do all that. (laughs) But how do I find out where to send the money? Oh, look at that. Um, I will send you, there are a bunch of centralized links. I will send some for the show notes. Yes. Um, They're like, here are all of the bail funds. Yeah. Um, for all of the U.S. cities. Uh, there are a number of organizations. There's the Minnesota Freedom Fund, I think is the name of it. So Minnesota is where George Floyd um, was killed. Can I, um, I, just for all saw, yeah. I just saw someone tweet that the Minnesota Freedom Fund was, was white owned? White owned, yeah, totally. So do um, we still? Like, no, that's what I was just going to say. Oh, like, sorry. Okay. organization called the Minnesota Freedom Fund. Oh. Um, what often happens in moments like this, it happened with the ACLU in the American Civil Liberties Union in the U.S. after the Trump election, was like everybody everywhere decided to give to the ACLU. The ACLU got a ton of money, but nobody else did, um, <laughs> right? right. And many organizations that are like actually like Black-led um, and are sort of like have deeper roots in Black uh-huh. communities um, are in a much better uh, and frankly, uh, have a much deeper need that is not getting met, that is getting met Got for it. Minnesota Freedom Foundation. I don't know about the white-owned part of it. I need to look into that. I, yeah, did, yeah. I saw the same thing, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I will send along um, notes for the, sh- uh, or links for the show notes. Um, the other thing that I would say is just like, give money right now. Show up right now. There are um, a million different things that you can do. I, here's what I'll do. Right after this, I will save all of the calls to action that I've compiled in my stories as a highlight on my Instagram profile. Mm. I'm YR fat friend on Instagram. You can come look at all that. You don't have to follow me. That's not the point. <laughs> like, but just like come find a bunch of stuff. I will send yeah. along links for the show notes. The main thing is um, like gather your people, right? Like talk to other white people now and forever redistribute resources, make sure that you are, you know, even if that's like bringing bottled water to a protest, do it. And I saw someone say snacks because Mm -hmm. uh, people might be, um, there might be diabetic people there who will need something. And I love that. Also, um, oh, you uh, uh, Google or find out how to, what's it called? Cure. That's not the word make it okay again if treat thank you <laughs> to make it okay again treat uh-huh. other good word um tear gas when people have been sprayed with tear gas there's ways totally. of, i saw a video about how to you know what i'm trying to say yeah yeah i totally do um the big thing is um milk actually bringing ah. milk jugs of milk um ah. so that folks can pour milk in their eyes helps neutralize tear gas and pepper spray who knew until today Perfect. i did not great um, yeah. I didn't because I didn't have to. Um, so, like, talk to your people, redistribute funds. We'll include a bunch of links, <laughs> um, and stay engaged after today. Yeah. And every day that you are engaged, stay in day engaged for the next day too. Yeah. Right. Like, get real used to the idea that we're gonna mess up. Uh, we're, there's not going to be a point at which someone's like, you did it. You're no longer a racist. I <laughs> crowned you. Like that's not coming. 
Um, so just like staying super duper focused on staying engaged no matter what, even when it feels uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, and showing up with our bodies and our money yeah. and our stuff and our time and taking leadership from black folks is like, that is 100% of what I have heard from black people uh, lately. And and what I've noticed a lot from I can tell which of my friends only follow white people from the way they talk about these things. And I think the reason why, you know, people will tell me things three days after I've already seen it on social media. And I I realize that I have, and it's a conscious decision, just made sure that I follow a lot of black activists. So, And that means that you are automatically engaged every single day because you keep seeing this on your feed and in your, when you watch Instagram stories and your tweets and stuff. So um, again, I have, I also have a highlight on Instagram and I also retweet a lot um, of black activists on Twitter. And that's, that's the way to sound like, so you're welcome. (laughs) So I have saved What I meant was if you go to my feeds, find the people I've retweeted or find the people I've shared from and then follow them because once you, it's so, and that, I mean, and that's with any diversity by the way, but yeah. making sure that you get those views in, even though it doesn't personally have anything to do with you, hmm. th- that, I mean, I think that has changed if anything that, because one thing is doing all these things actively, right. That requires yeah. you to sit down, transfer money but when it's something that's continuous, you see it every day. Every time you pick up your phone, you see a tweet or you see an Instagram story or that it changes you in a different way because it's almost becomes, you know, subliminal. Like it's a very subtle yeah. way of making you, of educating you that doesn't require you to, I'm going to sit down and read a book, which you also should. But yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's a whole that's lot right. of, it's almost like doing nothing, but you still get the education. Yeah. Well, and also the other thing that I've been thinking about for myself is um, not just following black folks for education and resources, <laughs> yeah. although definitely do that. Yeah. And when you do that, pay those people yes. because that is work that they are putting into you mm-hmm. right, and to your own development. Um, that is a service that they are doing for you uh, and they should be paid for it. Um, but also making sure that you're following black folks and indigenous folks and people of color um, in your field. So like, if you are a comedian, hypothetically, mm-hmm. <laughs> like comedians of color, right? Yes. And engaging with them and supporting them and building up their platform and their yes. as much as possible. For me, following other writers who are folks of color and particularly black folks, um, following other activists who are folks of color and particularly black folks and making sure that like, like part of the inventorying that I've been doing over the last like 48 hours is like, what are all of the tiny and huge, super gnarly ways that I am perpetuating Mm anti-blackness? Everything from, uh, I am listening to music that is mostly made by and for white people to I write essays in such a way that I am focused on showing trauma so that people will be motivated to stop it. And that is a cycle that is not functioning for black people. So I shouldn't actually be feeding into that appetite for white people, which is like 
boy, that's my job. I got some rethinking to do about how to do that. Right. But like figuring out how to um, sort of look at every aspect of our lives and who we follow and who we take leadership from feels really important. Yeah. That's what I've, I hadn't, I'd never thought of that bit. I'm like, that's, oh, shit. yeah. Me either until this morning. And then I was like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. I think, and a lot of the feeling that people that we go through mm-hmm. as we're learning and or unlearning is a feeling of, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, no. I did. Yeah. I was like, ah. Oh. And it's, yeah, right. it feels real shitty and don't fight it. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Anything out of fighting it. It's just like, ah, God damn it. And then you just accept that, you know, it's, and I also, I wanted to say, um, Mm. when, as we, and most of you are listening on these ways of being able to help and support, uh, as as someone who's worked in fundraising, I have heard every single excuse Mm. for people to not do anything so I know how deeply, like, like I know that there will be people <laughs> feeling and or shouting, mm-hmm. like, but what about? And they'll be like, but what about my mental health? What if I don't have the money? What if I don't this? What if I don't have time? What if I live with someone who is vulnerable to the coronavirus? Should I still be going out there? What if this? What if this? What if this? And there is a way, and it, I tried to explain this 10 years ago when I did this work. I tried to explain to people this thing of, you want a definite answer. You want an answer that is, you want, you, the reason why you want to shout is because you need someone to tell you, well, in that case, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But no one's going to do that. But that doesn't, like, it's about understanding, again, that you can do what you want. You can do what you want. And you know yourself. You know what, mm-hmm. you you know deep down inside if it's a bullshit excuse or if it's an actual excuse, you do know that you don't have to, you you don't need to say that to anyone to get their approval. Yeah. And you might be right. Maybe you are one of the people who actually can't afford it. There's a huge problem, uh, especially at the moment that people lost their jobs and need to move house and all those things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know, deep down inside, if you are that person or if you just really like buying clothes on ASOS. Yeah you know this, you have to deal with this, you have to live with this. Um, I would never, I would say that there's probably 90% of people can do something with, you know, even though, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be uncomfortable, it'll be um, totally. a nuisance, it'll be annoying, it'll be maybe dangerous. Yep. But you will want someone to tell you that it's okay that you don't do anything. Yeah. It's not okay that you don't do anything. And in the statistically unlikely situation that you are one of the people where it's actually okay, fine, just fine. You know that you are. It's like, don't. It's but also, fine. even in that scenario, so like, listen, if you don't have time, give money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you don't have money, give time. Yeah. If you don't have either one of those things, you might have bottled water in your basement that you can take to protesters. Mm. You might be able to make signs and leave them outside your door so that someone Mm. else can take them to protests. Mm. 
who can still absolutely talk to your white family. That's the thing that we really want people to tell us we don't have to do. And yet we totally have to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. um, that all of us as white people, pretty much all of us have relationships with other white people. There's a lot of data on that too. There are always other people that we can talk to. And even if, you know, like part of the conversation with my dad yesterday was he called me a few hours later and he was like, well, I made another donation to the Southern Poverty Law Center. Like He was like, <laughs> I hope you're happy. <laughs> I mean, sort of, yeah. right? But like, so like, why are you shouting? I, totally. Why are you mad? I don't understand. Um, but like, in that case, I didn't, even if I didn't have money, I talked to someone who did. Even mm. if I didn't have time, I talked to someone who did. Mm. Ask someone to like another white person to do stuff in your stead Mm. and to recruit someone in your stead to be there with them, right? Like there is so, there are so many options. Mm. There are so many ways to show up. And I am so appreciate you like putting a fine point on your whiteness is talking. Mm. It wants you to find someone to tell you that it's okay to stay at home and that you feel really sad and you just want to watch a movie and eat some popcorn or like talk to your friends or take a nap. (laughs) But the fact is there is something for pretty much everybody to do um, wherever you are in the world. Um, You know, honestly, like even if you're in the U S if you're in a country that has protests happening, you can call your local elected officials and law enforcement folks and demand that protesters be released now. Mm -hmm. Um, And that charges not be filed against them for protesting, right? Like there is, all of us have something that we can do that Mm. materially impacts the trajectory of police violence Mm. um, against black folks. Um, And it's on us to do it. And you're right. Like deep down, you know, what's bullshit. Yeah, and I think I that's that there's a thing I did yesterday that I didn't do yesterday, and my reason for not doing that was bullshit. Like yeah. I know that I'm sitting here right now. Yeah, and like our job as white people is to call ourselves on that before we get to the point of regret and shame. Yeah, but also, also not taking action. But this also, and I think this comes back to basically what the entire thing has been about, which is this idea of you will not reach a point where you are doing the. Where you will not reach a point of perfection. You will not reach a point of purity. You will not reach a point where this feels good. So, and I think that, I think the alternative to that for a lot of people is just shutting down and just not engaging because if this is going to make me feel like shit, I'm not going to engage or do anything at all. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that that's not, it's about being comfortable in ugliness, being comfortable in discomfort, not comfortable being accepting, accepting of discomfort, accepting of ugliness, meaning that if you decide to do nothing, just accept that that is what you're doing. The first step, instead of shutting down, if the alternative is shutting down, if the alternative to doing anything at all is shutting down, don't do that. Just accept, I am not doing this because I am lazy. Because um, uh, I would rather spend money on myself because whatever it is. But I think the first step towards if you are that person. So for me, this stems from having, you know, when I did fundraising and I've narrowed down 
basically I was supporting, I think, 21 different organizations. And I kept Whoa. I kept trying to be like, but I can still technically, if, you know, if I bought a Coke, I'd be like, well, that means I can technically I could afford to give that to charity. And I, I kept, I wanted to find the, the limit to where I had become the best person. And then I started adding on like, okay, well, when I run out of money, my time could be spent doing this. And then my, Oh, would I ever need to, you know, wear more clothes than this? So I could donate the rest and I wouldn't. And I, and I, my, where I ended up in my brain was I could always do more. I should always do more, mm-hmm. but I won't because I have, yeah. and, I, and, and I'm not going to make myself feel good about that. It's not about me saying, and that's okay. It's just me acknowledging, yes, I could do more. Yeah. And I should so more. could I, so could I. And it's not about, I don't need to, I don't need to punish myself and be like, oh my God, I'm the worst person. And I don't need you to tell me, no, but you don't have to do more because of course, and you should also be thinking about yourself. It's just about sitting with the feeling of it is in my, it is my decision, what I do. And only I know, I don't have to tell anyone what I'm doing or what I'm not doing. Mm-hmm. You know, this in yourself and, you know, find out who you are, who you want to be. And be comfortable with the fact that this is going to be ugly and it will feel ugly regardless of what you do because you still know that you've not done it. Yeah. That makes sense. Of what, yes, absolutely. And part of what it feels like we're talking about here is like sort of um, realigning who we think we are with who we actually are showing up as. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that acknowledging I'm not doing this because I don't want to right? Like functionally, like that's kind of at the base of most of the reasons why people don't do things. I don't want to, um, feels gross. Yeah. But it is at the very least honest with yourself. Yeah. That is an impulse that lives within you and one that you got to work on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it like, it doesn't actually help anybody to do what white folks are most trained to do, which is to rationalize our defense of white yes. supremacy. Yeah. And to identify with whiteness and white supremacy. That doesn't functionally change anything for anybody. Um, and it also doesn't functionally change anything for black folks for us to say, I'm not doing this because I don't want to. Right. But at the very least it confronts us with a decision that we are making. Yeah right? That it locates the control for that decision within us and the ultimate accountability for that decision within us. And it brings us face to face with our whiteness and how that distances us from who we want to believe that we are and how we are actually showing up. And it challenges us to like close that gap. And that feels like a really low bar (laughs) to be at, (laughs) Um, but also something that almost none of the white people I know are doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. And in that, uh, this is obviously, I mean, this is bound to be a two-parter, isn't it? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh, don't apologize. I think I spoke like 90% of the time and nothing, nothing really made sense, but uh, which leads me to sort of the, because we had, we've had a lot of meta discussion Mm-hmm. about this talk during the talk and yeah i think i then i thought oh the second we start this i'm gonna 
I'm going to ask you how you felt about it. But then I thought, no, I think that should be part of this. Yeah. In terms of our <laughs> very long, and I I liked it with all sure, the discomfort. Yeah. Any sort of, any thoughts on, any sort of closing remarks or any, um, how do you think we did? <laughs> do you think it was where we, is it where we're gross? How do you feel about yourself? <laughs> what? <laughs> like any uh, kind of reflection of what we've just. So I'll say this. So like, like I say, it's felt like a dozen years doing community organizing. A lot of that had to do with like racial justice trainings and that kind of thing. And I feel now the same way I felt in every one of those trainings, which is like my adrenaline is like through the roof. I feel super uncomfortable. I want to go run around the block and I never want to go run around. That is not a thing for me. <laughs> right. Uh, that like, I just feel like super pent up and ready to kind of like, I, I don't know what it's like. Fight or flight is way over the top for me right now. Um, and that is true every time I talk about race and, uh, Sometimes that deters me from talking about race and it should not. Mm. Um, so like, I'm just noticing, like, I'm like, man, when I, when you uh, messaged me about like talking today, I was like, that'll be great. I love talking to Sophie. That sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sitting here. I'm like, I've been uncomfortable this entire time. And that feels important to name, right. That yeah. there's sort of belief that like, Again, like there will be a point at which you're like, it's no big deal to talk about race. And it gets easier in some ways, but it's never comfortable. That's yeah. how I feel is I'm like, I don't, I went into a weird fugue state for most of this conversation. <laughs> I have, do you know what I mean? When you're like, do you think we did okay? I'm like, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> yeah. And also I'm not the judge of that. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, and I'm also just sitting with like, You and I are talking about this. There are going to be a bunch of people who tell us why this is not productive. Mm -hmm. There are going to be a bunch of people who tell us why this is like super transformative and helpful. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, our jobs still don't change, which is to just like show up in every way that we have and in every way that we can. Like that's what's on my mind. I feel like Jerry Springer. Final thoughts. Um, <laughs> How about you? What are you, what are you sitting with? How are you feeling? How do you feel? Ricky Lake. Um, <laughs> I, having been on this, having only recently got, gotten into this sort of anti-purity, not gotten into, but having been, uh, been made aware of the idea that activism is not about looking good and feeling good, but everything is very extremely nuanced and things can be, two contradictive things can be right at the same time and it's all there's no real answer and everything's very complicated that does mean that it does mean having to face and acknowledge all the stuff that you're doing that is wrong mm -hmm. but there is some so there's a part of me that's like can see how this is can see all the flaws in this 100 and especially because you know it's my podcast the question will always be, should I have had uh, uh, a person of color, a black activist, just a black person on? Mm. And I can, again, I can justify both, right? Yeah. I, I feel like I can justify the decision 
to have you on to chat about this. And you're absolutely right. It would have been a lot harder to to justify having you on to talk about something else. <laughs> I know, it would have just felt <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. really strange. Um, so I think what I'm feeling is sort of just two two contradictory feelings. You know, one is mm-hmm. one is oh my god, I will have sounded so self righteous. I will have sounded so full of myself. I will have sounded oh, mm. you know, I can always. I'm always almost annoyed with myself. And the other side of me is like, yeah, this might change something for some people yeah. and I'm going to get a lot of hate. And that's also fine. There's something a bit freeing about, which is also a positive side to everything we've been talking about that we don't talk about enough, which is how free you can feel when you accept that you will not reach a point of perfection. Yeah. Of being like, yeah, this is problematic. This is, I I will have said so many things in this that are wrong, that are yeah. annoying. You know, <laughs> it's yep. just, you know, it. As someone who used to be a big, you know, nerd at school, it annoys me to know how much my English sometimes uh, fails. It's the same thing of like, yeah, I just have to accept that because the alternative yeah. is saying and doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, totally, and also, yeah. Yeah. Um, I will return to sort of like, you know, you're asking like, how are you feeling at the end of this? And I feel kind of the same way I did at the start of this, which is like, I don't know if this is the right thing to do or Mm. not. Yeah. Like you, I can justify it in both directions. Yeah. And I still know, and I will, you know, hear from folks with direct feedback, I will say, if you have direct feedback, Mm -hmm. please email me directly. I am yrfatfriend at gmail.com. Oh my God, please bring me conversations and feedback. Um, That is how I will know whether or not this is successful and who it's successful for and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line for me personally is this is too horrifying not to do something just because it makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So I feel yeah. uncomfortable. I've been feeling uncomfortable for the last couple hours, <laughs> but we're doing it anyway. Well, it's been great having you. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, I'll, truly like, this yeah. is like actually like a space that I'm glad that we're having this space on mic because I feel like this space doesn't actually happen enough amongst white folks Yeah. Um, to sort of like bring ourselves along. And when it does, we rely on that happening behind closed doors. And I um, am uh, very appreciative that you are willing to have like a super imperfect and super uncomfortable conversation Mm. um, with me in this moment. Because I know that that is, uh, there are a lot of folks who are not in that place of being willing to be recorded, maybe messing up. Do you know what I mean? Definitely Probably messing, messing up. up. Yeah, that's definitely right. Definitely messing up. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, that's right. Both of us definitely messed up already. I'll so tell you. I'll, I'll tell you how you fucked me up. Because um, hmm. we and I, th- that is something that I will have to carry with me. Like basically, I have to live what I've been saying throughout all of this. Hmm. Is about showing up at the protests hmm. and all the defenses are you know all the thoughts all the excuses basically you know and me trying internally to figure out if i am capable of doing it and yeah. 
because it's like one thing is saying all these things and being like, you should all be doing this. And then yourself, yeah. you, you know, I'm going to, when I've turned this off and, you know, it's, it's over midnight, past midnight here. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to bed. I am just me and I can do whatever I want. No one ever needs to know. And I have to figure out. And if the answer, you know, I'm doing, you know, it's not to be, I'm not trying to do the thing that I've said that, I, well, maybe I am, but you know, I'm in very serious like trauma therapy at the moment. I'm doing like two extreme sessions a week and stuff. So I'm like, so I was like, Oh, is that, so I need to figure out, is that an excuse because I'm scared or is it a legit thing for me? Mm-hmm. And again, this is not for someone to tell me, Oh, it's okay. Cause that's not what this is about. It's about, exactly what we've been talking about i now have to face myself and figure out with with empathy for myself with love for myself but also with love for others yeah i guess who i am yeah right yeah that's my same like i'm in a very similar position which is like i've been justifying not doing some things because i'm like well i was an organizer for all this time i really put in a lot of time mm-hmm. really paid my dues uh, and that actually doesn't matter. Yeah. Like that doesn't change the outcome of this situation. Yeah. How long I did other stuff, right? Like if someone's like, why didn't you wash the dishes? I can't be like, well, I took out the trash. What do you want from me? <laughs> like, that doesn't do the dishes. right? Like, <laughs> so like, that's the, like, it is really tricky to figure out how to walk and chew gum at the same time. Right. It's really yeah. tricky to be like, calling bullshit on yourself and also trying to show up and also trying to call bullshit on yourself and also yeah. trying to show up right yeah. back and forth. But like, and either way you, if you don't, don't do the dishes, bullshit. you get flies and that's that, then you have to live with flies. Yeah. Sorry. Now your yeah. kitchen is full of gross, annoying yeah. flies. And that's the thing that it's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for doing the thing, buddy. No, thank you for doing the thing. Sure. Thanks for making the space. Like, again, like, uh, I, I don't know many white people, um, who would do this and be like, well, okay, here we go. We almost (laughs) certainly are going to mess up right now in a really intense moment. Um, I feel like I know, I feel like I know more people who would be willing to talk about whiteness like this, but I don't know many people who would be willing to be just generally in any way politically wrong in public. Does that make sense? Like I could, I could find people to talk about it. It's the idea of people in general being scared of being called out of being publicly wrong. Yeah. That is the trickiest thing. Yeah, totally. Ooh, I'll talk to you about that offline. (laughs) I want names. No, Tell it's totally everything. not gossip. It's just not a, it's just a project I'm working on. That's not ready yet. Thanks for taking gossiping. Oh, Thank you. I'm not going to ask the, the, I usually do the, the last question, but this is very much a special hmm. double episode. So things are going to be different. And I, knowing my listeners well enough to know that they're okay with that. So oh. I'll just have you back when at another time. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm always so happy to talk to you, bud. Even when it's so uncomfortable. (laughs) It's great. If we thrive in this uncomfortableness, imagine how we'll chat. 
Well, again, like if a comedian and like a writer activist can't be uncomfortable, can't like sit with uncomfortable emotions, then we are both in the wrong (laughs) lines of work. We have have been fat people on planes enough times that we we are used to sitting in uncomfortableness. (laughs) That's right. If you can handle a coach seat on United Airlines, you can handle this conversation. You can talk about your whiteness. Okay, I'm going right. to stop the recording now. Uh, say it again, because you have, you're going to do a highlight of where people can do yes. things. Yes. Um, why a uh, fat friend? Yep. On Instagram, I'll have a whole highlight of all of the calls to action, mm-hmm. all of the resources, everything I got. Um, it sounds like you will do the same. On I have already own. have one. It's called you already- hashtag Black Lives Met. Because I ran out of um, characters. Of characters, yeah. But yeah, you'll, totally. you'll guess that that's what provided this. Yep, totally. Yeah. So um, I will include a ton of information there and I will keep it up to date um, mm. with sort of like current best practices and that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if, and yeah, and when you share all this information, don't share my. So I also have a post where I've posted a bunch of tweets and stuff. Don't share my posts of the tweets. Go find the person's account and f- post theirs, and give credit. And you yep. know, some some big accounts will post uh, memes or you know illustrations or whatever. And they'll, they'll usually, if they're good good guys, they'll credit the artist. But so go down, find the artist, the original artist, mm-hmm. and then share it from theirs instead of this big account. Right, because then they can see it. Yeah. It leads them to new followers. Yeah. Um, right. Like it, or it leads new followers to them. Yeah. And it actually helps build up that person's exactly. platform. So yeah. making sure to share stuff from black activists, not from yeah. like, you yeah. know, a white person when they repost it and that makes you feel yeah. good about it. Whoops. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Is yeah. like a material <laughs> support. Yeah. Offer. And also yeah. pay the people that you learn from. If nothing else. Yeah. Like, please, please, please pay the people that you learn from, yeah. especially black folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you say that, you mean? I mean, black you, people. It, this is not us saying. Black people of color. That's not so me. You're like, welcome for this podcast. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I did not even cross my mind. And as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, don't pay me. <laughs> Hey, organizers and people of color, like black folks, indigenous folks, people of color, organizers and educators who are doing this work day in and day out. Yeah. If you learn something from someone, pay them. Yeah. Everything we've said here, we've learned from someone. Yep. 100%. Okay. I'm going to, this is now turning into a third hour podcast of just about the podcast we've just done. I'm going to just stop the recording now. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to all of this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if this has in any way been a positive experience for you, I really appreciate it because I, if it hasn't, then there's been no point in this at all. So I really hope it's had some kind of positive effect. Uh, although it's positive, even the word we want to use. It is complicated. It is complex. It's uncomfortable. <sighs> yeah, it's... That's, that was not me farting. That was the sound of a stool under my uh, desk that I put my legs up on when my back hurts. Not relevant. Now, remember the show notes, uh, which is wh- wherever you listen to the podcast, there should be a place where there's show notes or on madeofhuman.com 
madeofhumanpodcast.com. If you find the episode, there will be a list there of links. Again, as we said in the episode, me and UFL friends' Instagram accounts, we will have highlights where you can go and follow people and see what you can do. Now, uh, we had the conversation, if you made it all the way to the end, in the last episode, we had the whole conversation about money and Patreon and all of that. And I'm going to be honest with you, I am feeling extremely vulnerable. I'm feeling extremely tired. Uh, it's 1.30 a.m. Uh, there are so many thoughts and feelings and things in my head that I'm not going to go into a big thing about this. I'm just very, very, very simply going to say thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for for being the listeners that when your fat friend asked me if we could talk about whiteness, I thought my listeners would get this. And my listeners are the sort of people who would be willing to listen to this even though it's uncomfortable. And that is something that I'm very proud of. So thank you so much the people supporting me on patreon you're saving my life thank you thank you so much i cannot thank you enough uh what i will do is say your names the people who have uh at the time of me recording this uh supported me with five dollars or more per episode via patreon.com forward slash mobile mohpod uh yeah Big thank you to these following legends. Thank you to Andrea Kauper-Rogan, Andrea Papillon, Andrew January, Andy Walker, Anya Knoblauch, Anna-Marie Hepburn, Aretha, Autumn Blue Sky, Bamboo Bandit, Barry Norton, Caitlin Kaposage, Harry Winter, Christine with a Y, Danny Beckett, Danny Reifersheet, Danielle Johnson, Dieter Bonber Jensen, E, Eleanor, Emily Bindi, Emma Perangi, Felicity Tully, Fidel Adon, Privacy, Soros, Aurora Teratops, uh, Galway Cass, Gillian Davidson, Grace Ann, Hannah Paul. Hannah Powell Smith, Hannah Rose Tristram, Harold Van Dyke, Harry Minard, uh, Helen Jarena, Helen Jermack, Hee Hee, Holly Ritchie, Jen Boyle, Josie, Catherine Norton, Catherine Goodmanson, Catherine Williams, Katie Hatfield, Katrina Pillerson, Kirsten E., Kirsten Davison, Chrissy Nicholson, Laura Ingman, Lillian Harry French, Hunkered in the Bunker, Liz Cassell, Lola Phoenix, M. Dash, Maeve Hoolihan, Maury Fraser, Man on Elin, Megan Roberts, Rianne Rivers, Nicola Ellison, Tigerific, Paul Swaddle, Perpetual Motion, Pierre Feneux, Rachel Ray England, Rachel Evenheim, Rachel Furley, Rachel Phillips, the Rachels are still winning, Ragdoll, Robert Knowles, Robin Kappa, Rowan Pierce, Samantha Jolie, Sarah Allard, Sarah Plumer, Sophia Ramsey, Susie Tyler, and Victoria Greer. Thank you so, so much. You, I mean... <laughs> Oh, thank you. I'll speak to you next week. Thank you to Dave Pickering for editing this episode, Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle, and to Justine McNichol for the logo. This podcast was produced by Dying Alone Limited. Bye. Oh, pie.